Hello and welcome back to the Leading Language and Literature podcast with me, Chris Jordan. Today I'm speaking with Chris Gertrombach. Chris is a social media marketing expert operating out of Los Angeles. He runs highly strategic Facebook and Instagram ad campaigns for small and big businesses alike. And with someone I was seeking to interview after considering my current approach to teaching advertising a little bit out of date. I was also keen to learn more about how the marketing industry has changed or evolved and what this means for our students' futures and privacy whilst online. We discuss Chris's experience in the job to date, whether social media advertising has eclipsed TV or other forms of mass media advertising, which brands or companies are most innovative or considered industry leaders when it comes to campaigns, new techniques or considerations that have evolved with the proliferation of social media advertising, whether rumours about big data and its relationship with advertising is something that kids should learn about in school, and finally, what Chris thinks the future holds for advertising. Thanks again to Chris for giving up his time to discuss the ever-changing landscape of marketing and the impact it will inevitably have on future generations. If you'd like to stay up to date on the latest podcast, feel free to subscribe via Apple or Spotify or simply follow me on Twitter at ChrisJordanHK. Okay, Chris, um, can you just give us a bit of background with regard to your uh, career to date, please? Yeah, so I started doing marketing um, about 2010, 2011. Um, So my first stint in it was I started interning for a record label um, here in L.A. And, uh, you know, social media had already been around a little bit with like MySpace. You know, Facebook was really coming in hot. So, um, so yeah, I actually like got a little bit of insight on some of the digital campaigns they started doing. And that kind of like started my career in marketing, uh, I would say. So, um, so soon after that in 2011, um, the CEO of the record label, a gentleman named Jimmy Iovine went and started uh, Beats by Dre headphones and speakers. Um, So this was like a tiny company. Uh, I think they had like probably less than 50 employees then. Um, But I ended up going over and then um, interning for them. And then that turned into like my first job. Uh, so for them, uh, you know, beats grew like really, really quickly. So with that, you know, we had expand in, in many regions. Uh, so with that, um, you know, we had to build social media pages for, uh, you know, different countries and just, you know, marketing to different communities. Um, and then basically I've been doing that almost ever since. <laughs> uh, so, so beats then got bought by Apple in, in, uh, 2014, um, so I worked for Apple for about a year um, and then worked for the Recording Academy, who put on the Grammys. Um, and then in 2016, I this uh, I felt like I had enough uh, experience um, where I could kind of go and start my own thing. I've always been very like entrepreneurial. Uh, I've always had like that kind of itch. And um, yeah, 2016, I started my own little uh, social media marketing business. I was essentially a consultant for uh, for the previous brands I worked for, but also kind of new brands. Um, and then, yeah, really like dived into 
more of the advertising side, uh, specifically like Facebook ads, um, in addition to just like, you know, managing pages and, um, and strategy. Um, yeah, basically ever since then, we, uh, you know, my, my business has worked with all kinds of clients in all different industries. Uh, we primarily focus on e-commerce uh, businesses now. So, you know, um, any type of company that's selling you something online, um, you know, we really specialize kind of in um, managing all their advertising uh, with a big emphasis on social media, Facebook, Instagram. Um, and yeah, that's basically uh, my background to date, uh, you know, as a marketer. You were talking a little bit before we started recording about the gig economy and, and how a lot of people now are um, who are working in freelance are trying to uh, be coaches or something like that. Um, can you just speak a little bit to that? What's your experience in that particular field? Yeah, I think, um, you know, as the internet's really grown in popularity and especially, you know, social media, um, you know, people, it's really allowed people to uh, become freelancers and kind of, you know, work for themselves and be able to leverage software and, you know, technology and automation to do things that, you know, required other people to do before. So you kind of see like, you know, unfortunately, but also fortunately, a lot of people and companies kind of being, you know, replaced by, uh, yeah, these, you know, uh, SaaS companies, so software as a service. Um, and basically, it allows people to kind of be one man teams, um, mm -hmm. or like two or three man teams, right. So I think that with a combination of kind of this growing desire uh, that I've seen, uh, you know, with, with kind of kids and, you know, high schoolers, college kids these days to kind of have that freedom to be able to, you know, travel and not be stuck in a, you know, nine to five. So they say um, it, it's kind of all, you know, laddered up to what they're calling like the gig economy, you know, going and doing your own thing and uh, less about, you know, uh, kind of a macro level thing about like industrial revolution, everyone's in factories, your assembly lines, mm. you have a lot of people doing stuff. And now like technology's replaced a lot of that. So it's more, you know, we're managers, we're operators, we're overseeing kind of the assembly line, so to speak. Um, and we're in the information age now. So being able to like, we're able to gather that knowledge of how, you know, businesses work or different things work. And Essentially, the gay economy is um, kind of a combination of all those things, of, of those people being able to be a freelancer, work for yourself. Um, and so uh, to this context, um, you know, you see marketing as uh, one of those things that you can do online. That's uh, honestly, um, once you understand it, not difficult to do, but also, um, you know, you can go. So, for example, like when I started as a freelancer, I would go and you know, charge like an hourly rate, or I have like a fixed price where we'd have um, KPIs, key performance indicators or goals for each client. So they'd say, hey, like, Chris, you know, I'd love to run ads and get X number of people to see the ad, or I'd like to make, you know, X number of sales. Um, and basically, I would be able to do that on my own almost, or maybe with a little bit of help of software other or, you know, maybe one other person. Um, and then for the business, they don't have to like hire a whole, you know, person and pay, you know, for benefits and all that. It's cheaper for them for the freelancers. So I think we're really moving into that space a lot more. And they're even predicting, 
I've seen where like 50 to 60% of the workforce will be kind of these like individual, you know, Mm. freelancers or consultants um, or contractors, you know, they call them as well. So, um, so yeah, I think it's really exciting. And I feel like we're really kind of moving into that era, you know, right now. Um, So, yeah. Well, moving into kind of discussing that particular era, one thing I've got, one kind of, um, I don't know what to call it, kind of itch that I can't seem to scratch is the fact that when I'm teaching the students about advertising as part of, I mean, it's it's a percent of the course. It's only like five, 10 percent of the course, but it is a means of mass communication, obviously. So it's something we cover at A-level or IB, DP mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it. Um and I'm I'm teaching them print adverts, maybe billboard stuff or a campaign by Nike or, or something. And every now and again, I'll consider using TV adverts that I grew up with in the 90s or the 2000s. But to what extent do you think now social media advertising that you see on you know, YouTube or, or, or Facebook or TikTok or whatever has now eclipsed TV or other forms of mass media advertising? Yeah, I, I think it's definitely you know, eclipsed it. Um, I think it also, you know, depends a lot on the brand. So the brand, the product, the audience. So, you know, you still have a lot of these huge brands like Apple, you know, Microsoft, Unilever, Coke, who, you know, they have to cover all layers and all mediums of advertising because they're Mm -hmm. such big companies. So they'll, of course, still pour a lot into TV out of home. But you see a lot of, um, you know, especially with the internet, everything is a lot more niched out now. You have very, you know, um, you don't have kind of these like wider sweeping like campaigns as much. There's a lot more companies and brands that are popping up that's, you know, very specific. So, you know, for example, instead of Coke, like, hey, here's this like tasty sugary drink you can have. It's like now you have like, you know, this keto vegan you know, drink made of like mushrooms and you have like a community that really loves that. And so they won't do like big, you know, TV advertising. Mm. They're going to go on social media and really dive down on their audience and kind of grow from there. It's a lot more cost effective. You know, you're speaking straight to the audience. So I think now we're kind of moving a lot more into that like niched out form of advertising. Um, But you're still going to have these huge companies that will, you know, spend a lot on TV um, I would say consumption wise, though, overall, uh, right now, it's probably about 50 to even like 60% digital. Um, then mm. I would say about 30% like TV. Um, then you have like 10% print, 10% out of home. Um, I, disclaimer, this, I, I think, is mostly in the US and, you know, probably the UK and most of Europe. It, you know, it really varies by region, obviously. And um and all that. But I would say in general, like, you know, it's kind of gone from almost like 70 to 80% TV to now like, you know, 30. Um, And I think it's going to keep increasing. I mean, advertisers are always going to go where the people go. So, or people consume, um, you know, information, entertainment, etc. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's almost inevitable. The more people who are on the internet, more people using social media. I mean, that's where you have to, um, you know, run your ads to, to reach those people. So, um, yeah, I think that's kind of the state where it is now. And I think it's just going to keep the, I personally, those numbers are going to keep increasing in terms of internet. Um, I think honestly, one day we'll probably be almost like 
purely online and out of home. Um, maybe a bit of print, but like radio, you know, is, is really dying down. Um, so yeah. I think it sort of rendered my next question slightly, um, not obsolete, but like maybe irrelevant in the sense that I was going to ask, like, are there still certain brands or companies that are considered to be particularly innovative or, you know, the best in the field, but I guess it really depends on the audience or the niche, like you say, that they're trying to to reach. But is there any companies that come to mind? I mean, in the 90s, I, I always remember kind of, I'm not sure who the production house was, but the likes of Guinness, the likes of Apple, the likes of um, yeah, Coca-Cola and Pepsi, um, Nike and Adidas. But are there any others that have come to the fore or are they still the, the main innovators? Yeah, I think, you know, so there's a couple of things. One, you know, you mentioned kind of these big production houses or, you know, advertising businesses. So, you know, probably referring to like Shia Day or TWA Shia Day who do Apple's and a lot of other brands. Um, and then, yeah, like Wyden Kennedy. So you kind of have these like big, like four five, six, you know, especially in like the 60s, 70s, like the mad, you know, men era. Yeah. Uh, now that's really kind of broken down into, you know, it's less like, oh, these big, like ad agencies. And now it's a lot more like niched out, um, so forms of advertising, which is interesting or, or different like types of ad companies, um, who, you know, special, so, you know, they'll have ones that specialize in digital, have ones that specialize in like, you know, specific types of content creation, um, most of them now are like specific industries like hey you know we do uh social media advertising for like medical spas you know that's kind of like what's more happening now um which is really linked to what we we're talking about before of everything just being a lot more niched out mm -hmm. um so but uh the main thing for brands and companies for advertising that will always be timeless is is the brand. So we've been talking about the mediums a lot, how people consume, you know, TV out of home, whatever. But if you um, build a brand, think of it as like a person almost and kind of attach like a character in those personalities that will transcend any type of medium you're trying to communicate to your audience. So, um, so I would say companies like Nike, like have done that like decade after decade after decade um and are always at the cusp of you know whatever is like ahead but it's the power of their brand um that really pushes them through to do that so um i think what's important is to understand that you know the power of the branding and then obviously it always links back to the product um so so i think with like coke even though it's still like such a huge brand you know people are more health conscious now so they're buying a lot of like healthier sub brands you know and trying to kind of attack it from different angles. Um, but but like the, the thing that Nike does so well is they just, for every medium, they do their advertising, whether it's events or like out of home or like their website, they just really, really nail it at every point. And it all ladders back to like their bigger campaign strategies, like, you know, just do it. Or their whole thing is if you have a body, you're an athlete. So think about like that from a branding perspective, that is almost speaks to everyone because we all have bodies <laughs> and it's all <laughs> kind of encouraging you to no matter, you know, what your body is like or what it's like, it's, 
it's kind of motivating you to like get off, you know, your butt and go, um, put some running shoes on, uh, to get out there, to be healthier, you know, support athletes. Um, so that will kind of all, if they keep that branding up, which that's like timeless, um, you know, 10 years from now, you could still say that and it, it would, you know, be relevant. Um, you'll always be on top of it. So, um, Apple has kind of done that as well, although they're a lot more product focused and less kind of brand, uh, kind of brand awareness focus. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it, it really like varies, you know, old spice is another, I think good example of a more like kind of, um, more recent like brand that came up, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if you or any of the listeners would, you know, know this, but like the, the kind of Terry Crews campaign where he's like on yeah. the horse and it's very random and they kind of cut that, that one commercial really sparked like this whole, I feel like almost like era of that type of, um, content that was made. Uh, and so I think you're always kind of get those innovations, you know, coming in. So that's a good one. I think like, uh, it's not even that recent, actually, I think it was a few years ago that campaign came out, but kind of sparked, you know, that those different type of, you know, content that's being made. Um, but it launched their brand too. And they've kind of maintained that like, you know, brand like equity. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I would say those kind of come off the top of my head. You have like Dos Equis too, the most interesting man in the world that was running on for a while. Um, you mentioned Guinness before. I think they've uh, had some fantastic campaigns. Um even taking like a potential like issue, quote unquote, uh, with their product, which is uh, I used to work at a pub. So I know this, like when you pour a pint of Guinness, it takes a little bit longer. You have to let it sit, uh, yeah. you let it and then you push it. And when people get, you know, be like, I can order, a, you know, Foster's in two seconds. But they had this really big campaign where they were like, good things come to those who wait. And one of the most memorable ones was like that, the one where like the horses are kind of like chugging through the ocean and it's a little slow and it like builds. Um, And it was absolutely brilliant. I remember that campaign, all all the advertisers and who people who followed the industry were like, this is like, you know, awesome. Um, But it it kind of ladders back to their, their brand as well. Like they have like a message they're trying to tell. Um, And, and so, yeah, I, I I would say like those, those companies that I mentioned, uh, Historically, Coke was also a big one. Um, if anyone watched the last episode of the, the Mad Men uh, series, um, you know, they played that really, really epic, you know, Coke commercial that everyone knows. Um, so, yeah, I would say I would say Nike, I think, is like one of just the absolute best for those reasons. But, um, yeah, those, yeah, those are a few others I think have have done well, have kind of like transcended um, the mediums and, uh, are kind of the more innovative yeah, companies out there right now. When, when it comes to sort of putting something together from you personally, like often a YouTube ad might only be five seconds or you only get five seconds before you can skip it or Facebook, Reddit, Twitter, whatever you're competing with everything else on the kind of mm-hmm. scroll of doom, so to speak, what, Obviously, there must be different considerations or techniques that have evolved with the proliferation of social media advertising. What 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 sort of things come to mind? Yeah, I would say um, three key things. One is the way content is created. So the way videos are shot, commercials are shot. 
Um, you have to be a lot more creative to grab that attention and almost straight away, you know, especially on social media. Like um, when we create content for our clients, like that's the first thing we keep in mind is how do we like grab someone, you know, they're scrolling through their feed, especially on places like Facebook, you know, you log into, you know, watch cat videos and see how your uncle's doing and, you know, Florida and wishing a happy birthday to your, you know, grandma um most people aren't going on to like buy something so you have to it's really like uh um you have to kind of you know the way the ads are set up is to audiences that you think will like your product or have like those interests so you kind of already know a little bit about the audience but you still have to like put something visually out there that like brings their Mm -hmm. attention so i think uh when advertisers think about the content they create now, um, even ads for like Super Bowl or, or like Wimbledon or anything like that. Like it's, it's, it's a lot more, um, like, uh, you know, it has to be a lot more catchy, a lot more, um, kind of grab your attention straight away. Um, also it's a lot shorter now, you know, as we've noticed with attention spans on social media, everyone's scrolling through everything really fast. They're going from here to there to the other place. Um, and so you kind of have to condense like exactly what you want to say and, you know, honestly, 15, 30 seconds or less. Um, and that, ha- that becomes increasingly difficult, but I think it also is a good thing because it's forced uh, brands and advertisers to really think about what they want to communicate to their audience mm-hmm. and like kind of eliminate a lot of the BS and the fluff and really be like, Hey guys, like, this is who we are. This is what we're selling. Like, are you interested? <laughs> um and so, so that mentality, you know, has to be applied, you know, a lot more now than, than before. Um, the other thing I would say, the second thing is communities. Um, now with like Facebook, you know, LinkedIn, you're able to create groups and mm-hmm. essentially just like build, you know, an audience kind of organically that way. Um, and you haven't, you hadn't really had as much of that ability before, or at least it wasn't as easy um or efficient now you know like you could you know go around print flyers go in your you know village put on people's doors say hey come to the town hall and hang out or whatever it is now it's just like you know you send a friend request say hey hey uh jordan you know i have this awesome new group um around like hair loss you know we both struggled with it we're getting older uh you know let's join it and then you know some brands will go in there and do like a sponsored post so they'll come on and do an interview and it's just, there's been a lot more emphasis on community building and then brands being able to, you know, eventually sell to those communities. Um, so I think that's something that's like kind of changed a lot more too. And then along those lines, a third thing um, would be like, uh, would be using the audience as your advertising. Um, so we call this like UGC or user generated content. So for like, so actually, for example, um, so at Beats, we did a campaign Um that was in alignment with uh, the movie Straight Outta Compton, um, which was uh, Dr. Dre's um, like movie about kind of his his life. Um, and, you know, our brand like helped promote that. And what it was is uh, you go online, you upload a photo of yourself. Um, and it's essentially a celebration of where you're from. Um, uh, yeah. So he's from Compton and it says Straight Outta. And then there's a blank underneath. So you can do straight out of like, um, you know, I'm originally from Brazil, so straight out of like Brazil or whatever it is. And then people made it funny, you know, so they'd have like memes where it's like, 
uh, toilet roll that's empty and it's like straight out of toilet paper, you know, or something like that. Um, so that campaign, people would go and do that, but there's a little B logo at the bottom and it always laddered back to Beats and the Street Out of Compton. But the people did the advertising for us. They would go, they would upload their images and, you know, you'd have these communities and then they'd go like spread the message because they were excited about it. So that's kind of, you know, one example. But I think now a lot more than ever, you're able to kind of um, build an audience, you kind of nurture that audience um, and almost being able to use them as the marketing itself. Mm -hmm. Um, Honestly, and it makes a lot more fun uh, as well. It builds like trust with the brands. Um, and I think, you know, you see that a lot more these days. Um, and, and a lot of these platforms, like they see that. So I don't know if you've, you know, you've noticed a lot of people in the marketing community notice that Facebook has been pushing like groups a lot more. Like you see like Facebook's ads for their business is like create your groups, join groups. And they're also moving a lot more into messenger now where it's more of like that one-on-one yeah. interaction. Um, so so yeah, I think those are you know some of the new kind of techniques or approaches um, that people have been taking a lot more now uh, than before, just be, you know because of the internet and because of the availability of these tools. Um, yeah, from from like so from like a group building point of view or um, like a community perspective, if if I if I kind of look at it in a slightly more negative way the ability to find those people or to target a particular niche must come from the way in which people are using the internet. So for example, I get a lot of ads for Grammarly, for example, because I'm a teacher or I'm doing, I'm searching for things which typically students might be searching for. Uh, Similarly, you know, before I was going to propose to my now wife, it was just the internet, Facebook ads and stuff was replete with engagement rings and stuff like that. Do you think that, I don't know whether to call it big data or not. I'm not sure I like that as a kind of pejorative statement, but do you think it's a good idea to teach kids about that in school? And to what extent, like what do they need to know uh, while they're in school and, and leave in school? Yeah, I think a hundred percent, 200 percent kids uh, should be learning about this, especially, you know, this generation, like they're digital natives, you know, uh, you and I a little bit older, we kind of grew up, um, or at least I did, like, I grew up running around outside, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, but I also under you know, saw how the internet came in and really changed mm-hmm. like everything. But I think with, you know, everyone growing up now as digital natives, like they don't know anything before the internet. It's important to understand that whole ecosystem, how it works. You know, it's not just you go on, you know, a laptop and log in and it's, you have to understand all the backend stuff. So I think that, um, the earlier kids are able to understand that. I mean, I don't even know like what age kids have phones, you know, now the, mm. these days, but um, you know, I, I think they need to understand how, you know, just by typing something in on Google or like Facebook um, you know, those companies, they gather that information. Um, also just being aware of like, you know, what information they gather. Um, I think teaching, you know, kids, especially things like uh, sharing like location, um, even if it's not intentional, like, you know, if you share a story about somewhere where you are or, you know, on Twitter, or if it's, you just post something and like the locations there, um, you know, it's really important to know that, you know, people are looking at that and they're gathering that data. They're seeing where you're going, like when you're checking in places um, and it could, you know, be potentially a privacy issue or even a security issue. 
Um, so I think just knowing that, you know, like apps, any apps you download, any website you use, you know, it's, um, it's important to know all that and understand like how they're using um, that information. Now I have to say, I have to give, you know, some hats off to tapple a little bit with, even though with a new iOS update, which really has um, kind of been helping like combat privacy um, on the other side of that, it's really affected my business because as we run ads for clients, a lot more people aren't going to see those ads or it won't be as targeted mm-hmm. as before. Um, but uh, me personally, I'm a lot, you know, privacy trumps all of that. Obviously security does too. So I think it's, it's really important for, um, yeah, kids to, to learn this in school. Um, there's a great documentary called the big hack, which, uh, goes through the Cambridge Analytica scandal with oh, Facebook. Yeah. Um, I think it's pretty long. I think it's like two hours, but it does a really good job of kind of giving a real case study and real life example of how, you know, big data or data has affected um, people and also just, um, you know, how honestly we don't know a lot of like what goes on in the background and even just with that documentary has kind of showed us that, wow, there's, you know, a lot more going on that we just don't know. And I think it's, yeah, it's important for everyone, especially kids knowing, um, yeah, what is going on and, you know, people like a lot of these companies, honestly, they, they will use the data and, you know, they, they sell it for profit um, to other companies to make money. And then they have your information and then it kind of spreads. So, um, so yeah, they, they, it's, it's, a, it's a complex subject and it's, um, you know, and there's a lot of depth in there, but I, yeah, overall, I think it's definitely something, um, you know, teachers should be aware of, they should learn about obviously, you know, for themselves, but they really should be, you know, teaching, uh, yeah, kids, um, what's going on and really explaining as best as they can, uh, what's happening. Cause yeah, it's going to keep evolving. It's going to keep changing. And then also things with blockchain and, you know, decentralization of, uh, you know, a lot of things, you know, currency we're starting to see with, with that, uh, that's what does that mean, Chris? What's what's blockchain? I'm not aware of that. Oh, um, you should definitely research that. So blockchain is a uh, it's a new technology. Uh, some would say it's new. It's actually not super new, um, but it's essentially being able to. It's like a ledger. Um, so when you when you when you have an interaction or you know some type of commerce exchange online. Um, essentially it will, it will, um, it will kind of put it in the ledger, the blockchain ledger. Um, and then once a new transaction happens, it'll lock that in as well. Um, this is like the really, really basic, like explanation (laughs) for it. And so these are, so these would be the blocks. And then essentially as each, um, transaction happens, there's like a chain. And so I'll use it as an example, uh, for like music. Um, so if you like, uh, create a, a song, um, you know, a big issue now is once you stream a song, uh, you know, where does the money go? Like it it goes straight to the record company and then they decide how to distribute it to the artist. What blockchain would do is once the song is made, if someone consumes it, um, they'll be able to put a set of rules and in the ledger. 
And essentially, uh, when, you know, I stream a song, 10, you know, a certain percentage will go straight to the artist, some will go straight to the oh, producer, straight to the writer. And it's all in- encrypted here in this ledger. And so, and so, and it's written in stone. So no one can go and say, oh, wait, you didn't pay me my amount or, you know, and it essentially eliminates a lot of bad actors uh, as well. So the way that's kind of coming about uh, with currency too, with crypto is, you know, the U.S. dollar, for example, you know, is regulated, controlled by the governments and the Fed. Um, so this would essentially be, you know, currency or it is a currency that's not regulated by kind of oh, one party. Yeah. Again, this is like a very simple explanation. And I'm still honestly learning a lot about this. Um, I, I might have butchered a little bit of the explanation, but that's essentially what it is. So um, so this is all, honestly a great example of like something kids should be learning. Because this technology, uh, you know, even so in, in the crypto space is, you know, affecting a lot of people because a lot of kids are are easily able to, like, invest in crypto. They can get the Robinhood app. They'll go. They'll put in, like, their money and they'll lose a lot of it. Or, you know, maybe they might make some. But they don't understand what's going on, like how blockchain works mm-hmm. um, and all that. So, uh, so yeah, I think there's, um, yeah, th- there's something important there for you know kids to learn and understand they should be taught all these things um and especially as the technology emerges you know so quickly just understanding how that's linked to um you know big data so with the data in blockchain that eliminates a lot of um kind of those worries about you know data data being breached and um and all that so yeah i think i i used to have um yeah same as you i kind of watched it evolve from being something where you could like you know stream music from um some illegal website or you you know you had a myspace or a a whatever and then i've kind of watched it like evolve over time and i remember the conversations four or five years ago about privacy with regard to facebook and facetime and this kind of thing and i always used to say quite frivolously I might add that I'm like well I haven't got anything to hide I'm not a criminal I'm not doing any kind of like I'm not a ne'er-do-well and if someone's listening in to me then then fine but what I found more recently particularly with the it's less to do with finance and it's less to do with advertising but it's more to do with the political um you know polarity which we're seeing in the US and the UK and Europe at the moment I keep getting fed things which was were very, very liberal in nature or stories which were very antagonistic towards people that might be, you know, considered conservative or traditional. And I think that's just as important as as advertising. I think understanding how algorithms or how Google, YouTube, whatever, Facebook even feeds you this information. My wife, for example, seems to get sent loads of stories on Facebook to do with you know, terrible tragedies or, you know, kids with awful illnesses and stuff. I'm like, why are you getting sent this? And I'm getting sent things, you know, a compilation of Cristiano Ronaldo or something. So, um, yeah. So actually, um, a lot of what you just said links back to the great hack, um, in the sense that in the political election in 2016, um, you know, there's all the rumors of like the, you know, Russia, whoever mm-hmm. going in and kind of influence running these ads, like tens of millions in ads to help in- influence your thinking about going one way or the other. That's exactly what it is. And um, 
So I think it's important because when you're younger and your you know brain still developing, uh, you know, especially when you're a teenager uh, and kind of that era, like, um, you're more yeah you're more susceptible to kind of those ads and it can be a very subtle thing where you just see the ad here and there but mm-hmm. it, it ends up being your world online and then you end up thinking that is the general world you live in so um i uh, it's kind of like a side thing but i i'm very fascinated with like conspiracy theories and how that goes about so there's a great uh documentary on on the QAnon one where basically uh there's this anonymous person who started posting a bunch of stuff on reddit or sorry it was, it was 4chan and then reddit um and pretty much it just sparked this whole movement uh i, I, won't, I won't go into the details you know people can google it but that was a lot of it was shaped by you know online like advertising and community boards and so it's important to learn that like uh it really affects your thinking and a lot of honestly uh older people um 50 60 plus were one of the yeah you know, it's not just kids it's also like grown adults a lot of mm-hmm. um you know parents like got into these conspiracy theories and uh it's often very politically charged it's often um you know ruled by fear so you mentioned like i think something on negativity earlier uh, you know, it's proven that headlines with uh, kind of negative tones will get, um, you know, 20, 30 percent more clicks uh, or, or people, you know, engaging in it. That's why almost all the news headlines you see are um, are written that way. It's because mm-hmm. it's it's literally study after study shows you that. Um, so. So, yeah, with ads now and, you know, a lot of people being able to like fund um these ads to essentially, um, you know, get you to think a certain way, that's really dangerous. And then again, you think about communities and how that multiplies. Um, I think, you know, it really should be taught in schools or at least like understood or explained how this can affect your mind mm-hmm. um, and, and what that looks like. Cause uh, you know, a lot of people think like, oh, you just see the ad and you might think it's silly, but if you start seeing it a lot subconsciously, it starts affecting you. And marketing is really tied a lot with psychology too and advertising. So I think, um, you know, in psychology, you know, classes and such, like this should be a part of the conversation too about how what you're fed, um, you know, online where you spend a lot of your time really affects how you perceive the world and how you think. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that information can be very, very wrong, although it's very convincing. Um, You know, a lot of people say, you know, when you buy products, you know, people buy based on emotion and justify with logic, you know, humans are very emotional (laughs) people. So uh, if you see something like that and, you know, it's, uh, you know, written with fear in mind or like, if you don't do this, X will happen or whatever it is, um, people don't, they don't want to be like, uh, you know, in danger or fearful of something um, or they don't want to lose the opportunity or whatever it is. Uh, so, so yeah, I think, um, there's a lot going on out there that, uh, you know, needs to be kind of explained and, um, which, which I think like, isn't, you know, there's definitely a dark side to, Mm. to all of this that's, uh, should be discussed a lot more. For For the future of social media advertising or advertising in general, I guess, is it, is it simple enough to say, 
just to go back to what you said before with regard to advertisers will go where the audience goes. Do you see any kind of um, particular future for advertising or is that quite a, a, an overarching sentiment, which is accurate? Um, I would say that. And then just from a personal, like, uh, you know, standpoint, just, you know, doing this every day and following the industry, I, I, I really feel a sense of like, we're moving into where advertising is, going to be a lot more, uh, a lot more creative, um, as I kind of touched in before, you know, especially with grabbing attention, but I think it's also gonna be a lot more kind of uh, raw and authentic. It's not going to be as like, um, like produce. So what I mean by mm. that is, you know, for advertisers, not going to like shell out, you know, millions of dollars, get the best cameras, like write this storyline and make it like cinematic. Um, cause at the end of the day, um, a lot of the kids growing up now, I, I think are a lot smarter than when we were information age again, um, being able to like access information that's like distilled or compiled where before it would take us, you know, like days to read a textbook to get the same information or whatever it is. Um, and so, so I think, um, kids like kind of detect the BS a lot more these days. Like mm-hmm. they don't, they don't have to see all these like fancy things that they, they just want to know, okay, you know, what's the product or what's the message you're trying to tell me? Uh, do I feel like it's authentic? Uh, is there an, maybe an emotional attachment to it, which I feel like, you know, is genuine. Um, and I think we're definitely moving a lot more like in that space. And you see that with like TikTok, especially, you know, it's literally kids just being as creative as they can on um, their phone in like a few seconds the stuff on there is like i i'm honestly blown away every day about the creativity there it's r- really incredible um and i think like advertisers are stuck and brands are starting to like pick up on that um and i think it's a it, it can be a good thing um well for advertisers because it's a lot you know more cost efficient i think it's a lot more like transparent like uh it's forcing brands to like you know, like, for example, like, uh, like campaigns from Coke, like, you know, open happiness, like people aren't like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> anyone else can say that, you know, uh, like they want to know, like what the USPs, the unique selling propositions of the products are like, what is it going to do for me? Like Coke, tell me like why I should consume you, you know, um, like what's in it for me. And, and then the way you, uh, communicate that message you know, needs to be in a pretty authentic way. Uh, you know, um, you can't say, Oh, like drink Coke, it's gonna be amazing. But then it's like, okay, like, tell me really, you know, what's in it, why I should drink it like, Oh, you know, it's actually high fructose corn syrup and a bunch of sugar and water, you know. Um, so, so I think, yeah, we're moving more in like a creative, a lot more like raw, authentic type of marketing. Um, and then like I touched on earlier, I think just a lot more like niched out, it's going to be uh, you know, a lot less um, kind of mass market. Like, you know, I buy a TV spot to like, um, you know, be shown at every commercial break, um, you know, because people are less uh, like, oh, watch the TV. And it, it's it's a more brand awareness thing, but people are moving mm-hmm. more into like direct response marketing, like direct to consumer. Hey, Jordan, we saw you went on our website and that you're interested in our shaving cream potentially you know, so here's an email like for 10% off to go like buy. That's where advertising is going versus like 
a TV commercial is like, Hey everyone, like there's this awesome, you know, shave cream that you should get, like buy it now. Um, and, and yeah. And then I think, yeah, like I said, uh, in terms of like just being a lot smarter, maybe like witty, um, with the ads, uh, I, I think now more, um, and then, yeah, niching out, like you have very, very niche products, um, for very niche markets, you know, and then the way the platforms are being set out more, it's a lot more niche, a lot more one-on-one too. Um, again, you see that with Facebook with groups, but also with the messenger system where they're, you know, integrating all the messengers, like for mm-hmm. WhatsApp and Instagram, everything all in one place. Um, I think cause of, you know, privacy, but also that's just where the behavior is going. So you're going to see advertisers do a lot more of that. Um, and I think it's going to weed out also a lot of like, you know, bad actors or just like BS brands, um, that, you know, once you get to a point where consumers are asking enough questions, um, you know, they'll, they'll kind of get to like the core of what that brand or product is, which is, I think, you know, important. Um, and you'll see a lot more transparency. So I, you know, I touch on blockchain and crypto. I think that type of technology will help, um, with the transparency of, um, of just commerce, like buying, selling things online. Um, so like I use music and as, as an example, but that can be applied to like, you know, banking, um, like where's my money really, you know, mm. um, uh, uh, and to so many other industries. So you see that a lot with like art now too. Um, and actually I have, I have another business I just started, which is mostly focused on that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's where the, the future is going. Um, um, it's fascinating yeah. thing, I have to say. Yeah. Um, okay. All that kind of remains for me to say, Chris, thanks a lot for your, for your time today. It's big, um, time difference at the minute you're kind of winding down the day as i'm winding up but um thanks a lot for kind of offering all these insights in terms of how we can apply it to to teaching and also maybe more broadly for how to inform the kids better on how to you know interact with the the online community yeah absolutely um and i don't know if you're you can or allowed to do this but if anyone has like any questions or so or uh you know maybe there's something i said they want to know more about or whatever um, you know, I'm, I'm happy for, for anyone to email me um, and, uh, you know, happy to kind of expand on that. Uh, I, I love uh, this industry or, or just like marketing, like mass communications. I think social sciences are fascinating, just how people work, especially in like groups and psychology. So uh, I, I'm, I love talking about this stuff. So, um, so yeah, if anyone wants to reach out after yeah. I'll talk. be I'll be sure to include the kind of like LinkedIn or Twitter and stuff like that in the um in the show notes yeah okay uh have a good day and uh cheers thanks a lot yeah thanks Ron appreciate it